Well, I'm going to start a, um, a series. I'm gonna, I, I called it and had the had them do a graphic for me, the, the great disconnect. And I'm not sure that's the direction I'm going to go. So that's the lesson for tonight. The great disconnect, but it may turn into a series. I don't know, but I may rename the series. But tonight's going to be one of those lessons where I've taught before and people have come up to me. I've taught a lesson here and people come up, oh, Brother Bland, that really that really spoke to me, that convicted me or whatever. And I say this phrase, and many of you have heard me say that, if you ought to try teaching this, if you think it can. So one, here's one of those things I'm going, to, I'm going to teach to us tonight, something we all need to hear, I desperately need to hear. So I will start this by saying, I'm going to teach to me. I'm the chiefest of sinners here, but you can all listen in on this. But I think it's very important that we know this and we remember this stuff because in order for us to reach people and to reach where God wants us to be, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to be shaken a little bit. We're going to have to change our, our thinking. We're going to have to change our thoughts process a little bit. I've heard this before, and I'll, I'll quote it here. St. Francis once said, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. What a powerful statement. Let me ask you, I'm going to pose the question to you this night to to begin with. Is it possible, (laughs) and I'm going to be pushing envelopes here. You're going to have to hear me or you're going to run me out of the church as soon as I start, okay? So you're going to have to, and I'm going to balance this all the way through. Is it possible we talk so much about God or maybe listen a lot about God that we somehow and somewhat use that as a way to appease ourselves. Because I'm talking about God. I'm reading the word of God. I'm I'm hearing preaching. I, I wonder if our life sometimes is more about words than action. Maybe a New Year's resolution for all of us should be to talk, God, talk about God less. Oh, hear me out before you panic. And walk with him more. Truthfully, I think we can do both. But I wonder if we get this counterbalancing out of, out of balance sometimes. I'm, I'm going to have to go slowly and and again, go back and forth to continue to balance this so I'm not misunderstood because that would be the last thing I want for you to not understand where I'm coming from and what I'm saying. I do believe that our life should be centered around Jesus Christ. I think our life, he should be the center of our life. We should talk about Jesus. We should tell others about Jesus. We should learn about Jesus, but we're just talking about him in church And if we're not really living or acting any differently, what good is the talking about him doing? And so we have billboards and we have radio stations and we have Facebook posts and we have Twitter feeds. We have other social media sites and we have text messages and we have junk emails and we have junk direct mails. We are inundated with information, with words. Our culture saturates us 
in a constant stream of daily messages that come from every direction imaginable. And so I'll again tread very lightly, but are the churches right in the middle of all of that? It's the sermons and the Bible studies, and they tell me now they've got a podcast that they put my sermons on, whatever that all is, all these audio files, and please again, let me correct this, any misinformation. I do believe in the power of preaching and teaching. I do believe in the power of the Word of God. That cannot be replaced. The Word can change lives. My thought tonight is have we taken the disciples' experience of literally walking with Jesus and turned it into a soundbite. Just one more set of words among many. Because I believe if we're not careful, we can reduce the gospel to a collection of tips and techniques and catchy phrases and, whole, and a whole heap of pat answers. Well, the Lord knows. The Lord understands. God will never leave you. I'll pray for you. Just hang on to Jesus. Those are fine words. Those are good words. Those are great words to say to people. But bottom line, we wind up with a lot of words and we're disconnected from the actual experience of Jesus. For all those spiritual words, I wonder how much truly translates into how I live my life. As Christians, our lives absolutely should honor God. Our, our life in private should match our life in public. I, I think you would all agree with me, and I hope you would, and I'm sure many here, if not all here, could, would say, I absolutely try my best that no matter where I am, that my life is con consistent, and I, I'm the same. If you see me here, if you see me at the store, if you see me at home, I, I hope you know and recognize me because I want all of my life to be consistent, but let me speak to myself a minute, okay? This is going to freak you out for a second. I'm going to speak to myself a minute and let you all listen in as I have a conversation with myself. Mitchell Bland, you're talking about words and you use words a whole lot, but you hide behind words a whole lot also. There are times when someone is in emotion or physical pain and you really don't know how to respond and there's that awkwardness and then to relieve the tension, you, you, you spout out some words, Christian words or even biblical words about suffering and hope and God's purpose, all of which are very, very true, but sometimes you hide behind those words. Okay, help me. A little more. Well, you just push play and speak the soundbite answer rather than living along someone in their painful situation. So I think I'm getting this. It's easier, much easier to offer words than to do something. Say something rather than do something. Words 
over actions. Can I push a little harder? Let's talk about some global problems, okay? I want to use some examples to help us get on the same page. Listen to these words, these facts, these sound bites, these statistics. There's 7 billion people on the planet. 1.4 billion live on less than $1.25 a day. 1.7 billion lack access to clean water. 34 million are living with HIV AIDS. 21,000 will die today because of hunger or hunger-related issues. The global problem is so big and it needs to be addressed. By bringing it to your attention and by saying that, I do care or I would have just left that out. That is concerning to me and I, I, really, want to be, I really want to be better for people, but if I just say all of that, does it really absolve me from personal involvement? I brought this up and I presented it to this church and that's a, do, do, do my words ring sincere because what are my actions? Who needs to address world poverty? Who needs to address people living with sickness and lack of food? Well, the agency, uh, the church at large, the government, or me. How much of my McDonald's money do I give to help feed someone somewhere? Again, before you think we're some on some social gospel here, I'm just getting us all on the same page to help us to understand in real form how sometimes our words will say something, but our actions are a whole lot different. It's easy to say something needs to be done. Correct. Something does need to be done. It's a lot harder to say and I need to do something about it. It's easier to say you need to do something about it. Stephen lived in a slum outside of Kampala, Uganda, orphaned and, and living on his own. He provided for himself by breaking rocks with a homemade hammer, working 12 hours every day in the scorching heat of the sun. Every 12 hours, he managed to fill up three five-gallon buckets of crushed rock. And for all the dirt and sweat, Stephen got six cents per five-gallon bucket or 18 cents for his 12-hour workday, which he used to buy food after each, after each excruciating day of back-breaking work, he spent the night alone in his mud hut. 12 hours a day, 365 days a year, he will make $65.70 for that year. For his 4,380 hours, he will have worked. That adds up to about a penny and a half Per hour. Just a news article on child labor far away in Uganda. As I read that, I, I'm sure we all thought of our children or children we know. 
But what if that was Skyler? What if that was Micah? Or what if that was Ezra? Or what? what? It's a totally different spin. But we, it's, it's, it's far away. $65.70 for a year's wage? I'll go to the bank right now and get that for that boy so he doesn't have to do that and then try to feed himself. But he's far away. He's not one of ours. So the story tugged at us, but there may be thousands of children in areas of the world that are in that condition or even worse. (laughs) What a disconnect. What a gap between the desperate life of that child and the extremely, and I'm not just saying this for me, I'm saying it for all of us, the extremely extravagant life we live. I use these examples not to, again, necessarily talk about world hunger and some child labor, but to help us even more become aware of what I'm talking about with the disparity between saying one thing and living or acting or not living and not acting something else. For what it's worth, Rick Warren said, the disconnect between what we say we believe And how we really live our lives causes much of the stress and discouragements in our lives. Definitely something to think about. I say my health is very important. And I think you would agree. Nobody wants to be sick. Your health is important. And we, we, but I don't always eat right. I probably don't exercise like I should. So I wonder how important it is. I say my family deserves top priority, but does work and so-called urgent demands of life crowd out family time? I say God has first place in my life, but do I rush into my busy schedule? Just say a quick prayer and a verse of the day rather than taking time to quit to to be quiet and sit still in the presence of the creator. What do you say and what do you do? Our heart cries out in so many ways that we want to be real. We want to be authentic. Not a, we don't want to be a hypocrite. We hate that word. We, we want our outward life to be consistent with what we believe in our heart and what we know to be true. But at the same time, we're driven to achieve more and driven to please others and driven to climb the corporate ladder and, and be successful. And we can't do it all. Something is going to suffer will then begin to show your priorities. It's quiet and we're digging deep, but here we go. We're going to put, we got to dig some more. In every area of life, we want to be something or appear like something or attain something. We, we, We say words that creates an image or identity that helps us achieve what we want. 
I sometimes use this when I'm talking about businesses. I will say, why, word. All I know about that business, they oversell and underperform. They just promise you, I promise we'll come make your bed at night. We'll do all this stuff. We'll do everything you tuck you in. We'll do everything. They don't do squat. I'm like, y'all oversold and underperformed. In other words, their promises, their words did not match their actions. All the words are right, but it isn't backed up very well. Here's a couple problems with that whole projecting of an image that I want you to see me and so I'm gonna say the right things and bless God, we're gonna have revival around here. If I don't truly believe that and I'm not praying for it and I'm not working for it, shame on me for ever saying that across this pulpit. Because if I do, I'm a hypocrite is exactly what I am. Because my words aren't matching my actions. And so we have to get this balanced out. And when I project something because I want you to see me as this great leader of this church and I do nothing around here. Well, there's a couple problems with that. First of all, it's wrong. It's a hypocrite. But the first thing we have to understand is when we project in, in one arena, what we project in one arena might be completely different than what we project in another arena. Okay, for instance, we compartmentalize things. So to, to get ahead at, at, the, at your job, you may be driven and maybe focused and maybe distant and maybe a little and maybe disciplined and maybe a little abrasive at times. But at church, you don't want to be like that. You want to be caring and want to be kind and want to be gentle and want to be loving and want to be compassionate. That's what you want projected at church. Those two messages don't fit together, so what do we do? Guys are very, very good at this. There's a book that I use, I've taught out of. Men are like waffles, women like spaghetti. It's a great book, a great concept, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm not going that direction here. But the idea, what I'm talking about is sometimes if we're not careful, we, we do compartmentalize all this stuff and we create different boxes with somewhat of a separate identity for each arena of our life. And so when I'm at church, I'm this church person. And when I'm at work, I'm this work person person. And when I'm home, I'm this home person. And folks, if none of those match up, we'll drive ourselves crazy because we're not being true to ourselves. We're not being who we're not being authentic. So we have the work box, the recreation box, the family box, the Christian or church box, trying to manage our life, trying to convince, to, to make it convenient, but rather instead of becoming a whole person and be able to do that, it fragments us, which causes that tension and that stress and that frustration. It exhausts us. Because we talked about in other series, this whole idea of just Knowing Jesus loves you and that he cares for you and being who you are in him rather than having to project an image and show you at church I'm like this. Just, oh dear God, don't ever catch me on vacation or you're gonna be shocked. That causes stress and tension. Don't ever catch me in my house fussing and cussing and, and punching walls. Don't ever... Because it's going to cause tension when i got to try to hide that and balance that. 
I said there's a couple reasons where we're trying to, when trying to create a pro, or project a certain image in different areas of our life that causes problems. And the second could be that even in just one box, in one arena, let alone all the other boxes, it is very unlikely for the message we project to really match the person we truly are because we want you to see something different, maybe. Each message is what we want to be true. Oh, you're going to have to think tonight. Each message is what we want to be true about us and ourselves. Or each message is what we want others to think about us in that box. And so often that projected image doesn't match our reality. But if our words ever become just a form of posturing, a way for us to project ourselves to appear better, to appear more spiritual than the next guy, we have completely missed it. The church is not a place where perfect people come to meet up with other perfect people and see and talk about how perfect their lives are, or at least I hope it's not. This is a place where sinners come, where broken people come, where people who admit they, have, they don't have it all together, this is where they show up. A place to say, I've messed up, I've fallen, I've failed. Hopefully, it's a safe place to show our weakness, our pain, our hurt, our struggles, our addictions, our needs, because it's a place where we can be real. It doesn't have to play, be a place where we can be cool. It's a place where we can be vulnerable with God, and God meets us here. Our model truly says it's a place to belong. Is that true? If it's not, we need to scratch some letters out. It's a place to become. Are we all growing? Are we getting closer? Are we getting closer to each other, closer to God? If not, maybe we need to take that out of our motto. It's a place to go beyond anything we could have imagined in God. So when we pose and we posture and with messages that are disconnected from the reality of our lives, we create this, this fake image. If this is all about the do's and don'ts, if it's all about the who's better than others, if it's all about who fasts more, who prays more, who's more spiritual, that's not what church and living for Jesus is about. And so often the word hypocrite is launched at people in the church. And I know many times it's unfair, but maybe, hear me out, maybe sometimes we're accidentally hypocrites because we talk big. We say the right stuff. But are we doing the right stuff? Balance again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying 
We're even doing this on purpose. We say things that are right, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the words of encouragement. I'm thankful for the preached word of God and the teachers that teach. I'm thankful for all of those things. It brings life. It is powerful. And yes, we've got to have it. We say things that we believe, and that's good, and we absolutely should. But are we hiding behind those words so that we can say things and not necessarily have to do things. Okay. I'm going to use such an extreme far out case. It's going to get your attention. Okay. I'm going to use this to drive home a point. Hang on to your hair pieces. I remember several years ago, I was talking to a guy who for years had struggled with pornography. He was willing and easily told the story of how, of what transpired and how he stumbled into this and became a real problem for him. I talked to him for a while and helped him the best I was, you know, going through the process with him. And he would say things like, well, you know, I've talked to this person about it and I've talked to that person about it and this person knows about it and, he, and I've talked to that other person about it. Oh, hear me out. That's not the problem. That's not a bad thing. Keeping things secret is where the problem lies many times. Confession is good. Accountability is great. That's not where I was having the hangups. I was having a bit of a hang-up or a bit of trouble because what was happening, I could tell in his mind that since this person knew and since that person knew and since those people knew over there, he was using words or can I say confession to hide behind is what he was doing. Since so many knew he struggled, that meant it wasn't as bad. Or since people knew he struggled, then when he did struggle and fail, it wasn't, I guess, maybe as sinful. Since he talked about it, then it somehow relieved him of the burden to overcome it. It was just off, and I knew it was off, and I could sense and tell it was off. Okay, leave that there. I set an extreme example. To get you hooked in here. That was a person, I believe, hiding behind words to appease his conscience because of his unhealthy and sinful choices. It made it easier, because at least I'm talking about it. It made it easier. Oh, God, have mercy. It makes it easier because we gather in the sanctuary and we shout on Sunday. So it makes it easier. So well, I prayed a lot today. But did you help anybody? Did you talk to anybody? Did you share Jesus with anybody? But we, I came to church tonight. Thank God for that. Please don't. I think we can have it all here. Sometimes we get this out of balance. So let me go this route. Do you believe all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Do you believe the wages of sin is death? 
Do you believe that sin cannot enter the kingdom of God? Do you believe to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again of water and a spirit? And I hope you're all agreeing with me because I'm just quoting some Bible verses. Those are the forever settled words from God. You've heard that preached. You've heard that taught. You've, you've said them. You believe them. Do you believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Do you believe Jesus is coming soon? Do you believe it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment? Here I go, my last phrase that may get me voted out. If we believe that, then why is this church not packed and overflowing? Well, people have free will. They have to make their own choice. Yes, absolutely. Those are all words and those are correct. But how many people did I invite to the house of God? How many people did I tell about my experience this week? But how many people did I walk in the spirit and sense their need and pray for them out on the street? How many people did I extend hope to to them? Nothing wrong with words. Definitely nothing wrong with the word of God. But ladies and gentlemen, we cannot hide behind words and absolve us from doing actions. James 1, 22 to 25, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. So if you do that, you're gonna deceive your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man looking at himself in the mirror. He looks at himself, then goes his way and forgets what in the world he looked at. He has no clue. But if you look into the perfect law of liberty, verse 25, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, that man shall be blessed in his deed. Maybe if we talked less and walked with God more. All these words can increase our knowledge but only Jesus, the word manifest in flesh, can change our lives. Walking with him, being Christ-like, being a Christian is about being more like Jesus. It's about a personal relationship with him, a relationship that plays out every single days of our lives. We're, we're called to reflect the light of Jesus, not by parroting Bible verses and pleas for the ever uh, settled word of God. I'm not in any way degrading it or, or saying that it's not right or that we shouldn't use it. I'm not saying that in, what, in any strain whatsoever, but there's more than just being able to parrot what the word of God says. You can be an atheist and memorize the word of God. It's when the word of God gets down inside of you and changes you and you walk with Jesus. Speaking of Jesus and this disconnect, think of his run-ins with the religious leaders while he walked the earth. The Pharisees were sticklers for saying all the right things, but they were hypocrites. Pharisees had their heads buried in scripture, but completely oblivious to what they were supposed to do, that the word Jesus was right in front of them. 
They talked about God and living for him, but reduced it down to just do's and don'ts and do that and don't do that. That's not, it was just words. That's not what it was supposed to be. They had the right talk down. They knew all the right words and phrases, but they avoided the lifestyle of faith. Think of the great Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. It was somewhat more of an anti-sermon because Jesus goes through, through and dismantles all the standard messages of the day. He used their words. Jesus was telling everyone what, what you say matters, but it needs more than what you say. It's what you uh, do and how it's lived out. If you take some time to look through Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount, you'll notice how many times the word hypocrite is used in there. And Jesus would say that you have heard this. But I'm telling you this. You just keep hearing this. But I'm saying apply it like this and live it out. He was showing people how to live, how to act different than what's expected. Oswald Chambers, let me, let me, let me read this long quote to you. Oswald Chambers wrote, the teacher, teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not do your duty, but is in effect, do what's not your duty. It's not your duty to go the second mile or to turn the other cheek. But Jesus said, if you, we are his disciples, we will always do these things. Oswald continues, never look for righteousness in another person, but never cease to be righteous yourself. We're always looking for justice, yet the essence of the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is never look for justice, but never cease to give it. Jesus was constantly asking people to go beyond words and live in a radically different way than they were used to living. Again, I'm going to speak for myself, and I'm going to be very careful how I word this, and you're going to have to hear me out again balance this, but I have, was, I have been raised in church. I have heard thousands of sermons and lessons. I have read hundreds of scriptures and read many books and articles about living for Jesus Christ. If today, until Jesus comes to get me, I do not hear one more sermon or lesson, I still have no excuse for not living for him. I've got the words. I've heard the message. I know how to live for Jesus. Please don't read into this and understand that, 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 that I think we don't need preaching and teaching in the Bible to tell. I'm not saying that, and I hope you're understanding me along the way, but my excuse cannot be that I don't know what to do. I absolutely know in those situations that I'm not sure of what to do. No, that can't be my excuse. Jesus is calling us to lift our heads and follow him. He's calling us to do what we have heard. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to live out what we already know in the time that we have learned these things. Mark Twain, he wrote, actions speak louder than words, but not nearly as often. Lewis Cass said, people may doubt what you say, but they will always believe what you do. Whether we're Christian or not, we convey a message to those around us simply by the way we live our life. 
It is a message that comes from the very core of who we are and expressed every single day in our actions and the choices that we make. Every life screams who we are. Our life shouts our choices that we make. They shout a message to everybody around us. And that message that we communicate about our lives by our lifestyles are the, it's the most powerful message we send. People are watching and listening, not to the messages we wish we could project and give to them, but to the ones we can't help but give them. Regardless of the circumstances of your past, you get to choose today what your life message to the world is going to be. Regardless of the sins and the mistakes of your past, because of the grace of God, the rest of your story has yet to be written. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth and ye shall know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Everybody in the building, examine the life. Examine the message your life has been demonstrating and speaking to people. If that message falls short of the words you're speaking, ask God to help you. Ask for his grace and his forgiveness and let Jesus have the pen and write a new story and continue on. Your life screams to the world. You can say you love Jesus but if you don't love one another, he says you're a liar. You can say you love the Lord and you don't keep his commandments. You understand, I'm quoting scripture here. I'm not trying to be, I know this was a heavy, heavy, heavy lesson. But this, we can't call ourselves an apostolic church unless we act apostolic. We can't call ourselves a united Pentecostal church unless we're united. We can't call ourselves a church unless we are like the book of Acts church in this world. What do we so easily spout out? Thank God for words. There's life and death and the power of the tongue. We understand all that stuff. I'm not going against the word of God. Please don't, don't go out of here. Brother Blaine says we don't. It's vitally important. There's power in that. Your lives have been changed because of the word. You've been at home by yourself and opened the word and God has spoke to you powerful things. But folks, we cannot consistently be hide behind just the pat answers to everybody. I've said from this pulpit before, I love you all dearly. Hope you have a great night. If I truly do not love everybody dearly, then I probably ought not say that. I love you all dearly except Dr. Johnston. If that's the truth... <laughs> Probably ought not say that either, but you understand what I'm saying. We have to make sure they line up. 
We cannot live an incongruent life. We have to live according to the word of God, absolutely. But whatever we say, our life is screaming and it has to scream the same things. Or by definition, we're a hypocrite. All right, you went out of church, I know. Let's all stand. <laughs> I told you I'm the chiefest of sinners here. Because I always say, and I do believe from my heart, everybody needs to know about Jesus. Everybody needs to get the opportunity to feel what we feel here every time we come to church. How would they possibly know that if I don't say something to them? They don't know what's here necessarily. They don't know what's in this building. And we need to win the lost. And that's true. And we need to do that. And that's true. And those are all fine words. But ladies and gentlemen, one more time, and I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but our life has to match that. But if our life is screaming something different than what we're saying, we can't. We're going to have to ask for forgiveness and God to help us to get those lined up. To love as he loved to act as he acted, but to do him according to what he wants from us. God, we need your help. Lord, in, in, you know my frame, you know my weakness, you know my inabilities, my personality, all my quirks, and you know in me, I, I can't do this stuff. But Lord, you have made a new creature, and I made a new creature in Christ. You've, old things have passed away, everything's become new. I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. I can walk in confidence in you and in boldness and I can hear your spirit. I can feel the touch of your hand and I pray that you would help us to become consistent with that. Lord, I pray that you would help our lives, what we act out and what we say to be the same. No matter where we are, if we're at church, we're at work, we're at school, where it doesn't matter, Lord, but we want our lives to be consistent and be consistent with the word of God. I pray that you'd fill this church with boldness. Lord, I, I, you know our hearts and we truly wanna see the lost saved. But sometimes we get in our own way and we get in our own corner and we get in our own head sometimes that we can't do this. But God, let us step out in victory. Let us step out in faith. Let us step out like you want us to, Lord, and walk through every open door. Place in us a boldness, oh God. Place in us a zeal, a confidence in you. I pray that you'd bless us. Let us have a great remainder of the week. Help us to take these words to our heart, Lord, and that we begin to search our spirit. And so, Lord, that our words and our actions, they line up and they're pleasing to you. Bless each one I ask. Help us to have a wonderful evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And I love you all dearly.